You're listening to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Adam Gobb. Today on the show, we're talking with Seth Derner, who's worked with Gaston County's Department of Social Services for several years now. And he's going to be talking to us a little bit about foster care and how you can get involved, what things are going on that have actually turned the tide a little bit here in Gaston County, but why there is still so much more help needed. The elegance of the past will be a party for all seasons. Bridgerton comes to the Gaston County Library. Be prepared for a costume contest on December the 2nd at the Gaston County Public Library's main branch. More information at gastonlibrary.org. Welcome back into another edition of the Savvy Citizen Podcast, a podcast by and for Gaston County government. But if you're not part of Gaston County government and you're listening, this podcast is also for you because we want to connect with the residents of Gaston County. And that's the whole reason why we do this. I'm here with Elizabeth McGee. She's co-hosting with me today and she'll be able to say things that make more sense than the rambling I'm doing now. (laughs) No way. (laughs) But we've also got Seth Derner in and Seth um, is a quality assurance specialist at Gaston County's Department of Social Services. But what Seth has told me and what makes more sense is just to say he works with foster care and adoption. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> it makes, makes it make more sense to more people. Yeah. I mean, if you just tell people I'm a quality assurance specialist, it's like, uh, what, what, what is that that you actually is part of your job? Cause I'm sure there is some sort of an actual QA part of your yeah. job, right? Yeah. So the QA part of my job is making sure that we're um, all of our social workers know what our policies are and that we're doing stuff that the state wants us to do. And continuing to try and improve our practice in that way. Um, the other portions of my job are like data management, make sure that we know like how many, where our kids are at, um, statistically, uh, how many kids that we have in a week to week basis, day to day, month to month. Um, and what's, what's kind of going on with our population. Gotcha. So the, the, the big reason that we got Seth in the, the podcast studio today is to talk about kind of the, the foster care system here in Gaston County. And, and one of the things I had heard recently is that the sheer number of kids that Gaston County has in the foster care system is not that far behind Mecklenburg counties, despite the fact that they're what five or six times the size of, of our population. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, unfortunate, but absolutely true. So how, how has that changed over the years? I mean, cause obviously that hasn't always been the case. Was it a, a rapid increase that we saw during COVID? Is it just kind of ticked up over the, you know, over the last 10, 15, 20 years? So I think it, I mean, best way to describe it is it's, it's been a, a uptick over time for okay. sure. We, we kind of exist cyclically. Like we have our ups and our downs throughout the year. Um, so we'll see at the typically the highest peaks of our kids entering custody and being in custody as a total is uh, about October, November, December, January in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll taper off like after, school gets out. Um, but, uh, over the years, it's definitely seen an increase across the state and across the country. And I'd say as far as like us size and comparable wise, we have different issues. Different counties have different stuff. Um, sure. Mecklenburg being more, um, metropolitan, um, has more say domestic violence issues, uh, mm. in cases such as that. Whereas, you know, with the opioid epidemic and different types of drugs in general, hitting Gaston County a little bit harder. Um, that's more of what we're seeing over here. So the idea behind the foster care system, if I understand it correctly, is you've got temporary placement for children while parents or guardians of those children have, have temporarily lost custody, but the goal is always reunification, right? Correct. Um, 
to spell it out uh, from start to finish, you know, we, we get involved. We try our best to put services in place to make sure that the kids don't have to go anywhere because the kids' best place is with their family. What are some examples of those types of services? So um, we work with a lot of uh, service providers in the area, whether it, and it, it can be anything between getting sub, a parent in substance abuse treatment, um, helping to get them set up with transportation, introducing to them access and all the other stuff that we have in the county. Um, if there is just a familial issue, um, a systemic issue in there, uh, a parent, a family may be brought into uh, what's called intensive in-home therapy, where a therapist from an agency comes out four times a week or so um, to really get into not just the mental health piece, but helping them uh, support in other areas as well. I think that's really cool. I don't think I actually realized that y'all are actually providing therapy in-home. Mm-hmm. That's such a great resource. Yeah, um, and so we have a, a few different providers in the county that we're able to uh, refer out to. Um, Definitely a need uh, because medication management, for example, is on a long wait list. Uh, my own daughter had a two, three-month wait list just to even get an appointment. Oh, jeez. Wow. So it's, uh, it's definitely a struggle to yeah. get those services in place. But when they are in place, if uh, when a family buys into them, they can really put them on the right path. There's um, a, a service called High Fidelity Wraparound that works with not just the kids, but make it, seeing where the parents are in their life as well. Um, Because you're not going to be who you need to be unless everything's firing off right. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned medication management. Is, is, I don't know, is that some kind of jargon? I don't think I know <laughs> what that is. Uh, apologies. So we, um, fun fact, we do, when we do trainings, we have a section called alphabet soup. Uh, um, I believe that. Yeah. So we have so many acronyms and stuff we say. Medication management is simply just um, getting, your, getting prescriptions based oh, okay. on what, whether it be a kid having ADHD, a parent being mm-hmm. uh, bipolar, depression, yeah. um, but, and then having a doctor manage that medication, check gotcha. in with you. Hey, is that doing good? Doing it up it, down it, mm-hmm. you can get side effects. Not overly complicated, but <laughs> we we fall That's into that That's a technical jargon. term yes. for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense now that you explain it. I feel like I maybe didn't need the explanation, but... <laughs> Hey, but it, it very easily could have been something <laughs> totally different. And it's like, oh, well, that's not what I expected. <laughs> I know. I feel like we are constantly doing this, especially on this podcast. We're always talking about government. There's always jargon that goes along with government. But I don't know. Hopefully we do a pretty good job of <laughs> unjargoning ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there should be like a bumper sticker that's like government loves acronyms. Uh, <laughs> G-L-A. Yes. That's what the bumper sticker was. That's right. <laughs> and just put that there and with no explanation whatsoever, and yeah. that would be about right. Yeah, it's your job to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you know what this is? I mean, everybody knows what GLA is. Oh, gosh. The worst, <laughs> the worst, I mean, it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we, uh, we really have a fun time when other agencies use the same words Mm. like the same concept, yeah. but it means a completely different thing. Oh my gosh. So I'm explaining to worker, hey, we're going to do this, a child and family team meeting. And then another agency says, hey, we're going to have this. And they're like, well, these people weren't here. We're supposed to invite these people. Like, oh yeah, they, they say that, but it means a whole different thing. Yeah. Wow. Exact same so, words, different purpose. Okay. So a little while ago, you mentioned, you know, uh, kind of state wide standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are those kind of standards? I mean, we just talked about sometimes people have different processes for different yeah. <laughs> acronyms. <laughs> but what are some of those kind of standard things that we have in place across the state for, for foster care? So um, we have a couple of things. Uh, so there's a house bill that mandates what DSS is supposed to do in terms of seeing our kids. Um, so we have to see 95% of our kids face-to-face every month. 
Um, we hit that. Don't worry. Um, and, and there are some other like kind of watermarks that they want us to hit, um, as well as reunification, uh, within 12 months. Um, and it's hard, it's hard. Um, but we definitely have been making a strong push to meet those goals. Reunification within 12 months seems extremely difficult considering that that also involves the court system, I assume. Mm -hmm. Does it always involve the court system or 100%? Okay. So nothing we do, uh, once a kid comes into custody, uh, or even as that process starts, the, the court has their hand in that. Yeah. Um, and I would say COVID really slowed a lot of things down with yeah. as much of uh, continuance as we, as we had. Um, and just the system as a whole kind yeah. of screeching to a halt, unfortunately. Um, but as, uh, I'd say from the start, it, it's best to help give a broad picture of it. Um, a case comes in, we go see the family. If there's things that we can do to put in place, use family supports. Um, if it comes to a point that the kid is unsafe, Let's skip all the other pieces that could be because there's a lot of could be's in these types of situations. Um, let's say the kid's not in a safe situation. The first thing we do is always to say like, hey, do you have a family member? Do you have a friend? Something that we could do that to mm-hmm. prevent court involvement. That's oh. First and foremost, we're going to try that and we're going to let, say you're the parent, you make that plan because I want you to be a part of it. Okay. Right? So they get that opportunity and with systemic issues being what they are, sometimes they don't have someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have to make that removal. Um, but the, as you said earlier, the f- primary plan is reunification. And that's what we sh- are both mandated and want to shoot for because we know that kids do better in their homes. Yeah. Um, and we put the, try to get those services in place to alleviate those issues. And like you said, reunification in 12 months seems hard. These parents have to jump through a lot of hoops. Yeah. And if you think about it, they are a lot of times alone, it feels. Like if they've got to this point, they didn't have a lot. They may not have had a lot of support. You, if they're down on their luck, they may have burned those familial bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're asking someone a, a typical case plan looks like: get employment, get houses, a stable housing, go do drug treatment if that's a problem, which is three to five days a week on top of having a job. Wow. Uh, oh, you got to go to parenting classes too. Um, hey, get up here for your visits to see your kids. Uh, it's a lot. It really is. Um, that. It's hard to get my kid to dance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just that. So I, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine. Um, but, and that leads us into where we have great foster, some t- of our great foster parents. Yeah. To really be able to, if you do fostering right, you're a resource for the parent. Yeah. Um, that, that talks us into a concept that we have shared parenting. So mm. that's, that's another mandated thing that has to happen within a certain time of custody that the, foster, the birth parents, meet or converse with the foster parents because they're the expert on their kids. Right. They know what they like. They know how they are going to go to sleep, their favorite snacks, allergies, stuff like that. And it also helps them be in a better place to know who's taking care of their kids. Yeah. Um, And if they can feel like really good foster parents, they don't even have to meet them face to face all the time. You know, there's so much technology out here nowadays uh, that they can just communicate, send pictures, the parents are going to be in a better place, more comfortable, and more willing to work with the foster parent on different stuff. Right. Um, and then they're just going to have a support that they didn't have before. So in a perfect world, I mean, you have kids, I mean, in a perfect world, you wouldn't even need foster parents. But in a perfect world with the system, mm-hmm. you would have a, 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 an abundance of foster care parents here in Gaston County. And so you could try to place the, the, the children in need 
um, in a neighborhood nearby. So maybe they don't have to change schools so that their life is disrupted as minimally as possible. Uh, But unfortunately that's not the case. I mean, I've heard that, you know, we've had to take kids even out of state sometimes, certainly multiple counties away to find placement Mm -hmm. for them simply because we just don't have enough families in the system. Yeah. As uh, when I was an investigator, I had to do a removal and at about 11 o'clock at night, and I had to take the kid four, four and a half hours away. Oh. Um, and this is like, this is a young kid. Um, the, the, main, the reason that we continue to want to push for our own community is, beca- is not just for those drives, which can inhibit the kid, you know, their schedule. Yeah. But it's to maintain them in their community. Because think about it, you're, we had this recently, a sophomore in high school, junior in high school, because of no fault of your own, you got to transfer schools. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a state law to say what's in their best interest, but if the, if the school's five hours away, it's not in their best interest to get on a bus right. for five hours, ten hours a day in total. And it, it can be heartbreaking. So when we, we want to make those push, it's not just so that the parents – you know, have their kids closer, which is a comfort for them. It, it's so that the kids' lives get disrupted as minimally, like you were saying, Adam, as minimally as possible. So when you are out there, you're trying to recruit more foster families. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain, like, are there certain qualities that you're looking for? Uh, yeah. Um, we just want people who want to love kids. Yeah. Right. Um, and want to take care of them. And we have, you know, state standards that have to be met. Um, it's one of the common misconceptions is people think you have to be older than 21. You have to own your own house. You have to be married. None of that is true. Oh, really? Yeah. You can live in an apartment and foster. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can be a 21, 22 year old, 21 year old in a, an apartment fostering a kid. And that's no problem. As long as you can be upstanding the other, on right. the other parts. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that makes so much sense. I mean, I'm a millennial and I feel like the trope of our generation is, uh, it's been so hard to get mm-hmm. housing. So most of the people I know are renting, yeah. not because they're irresponsible, but just because maybe it's part of the culture. Maybe we try to get jobs during a big recession. Maybe <laughs> yeah, the housing market's a whole nother episode. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think I definitely, uh, had that misconception mm-hmm. that there were rules like that. Yeah. And it's, it's actually, um, easier than you think. Um, so to people think that you have to go through all sorts of hoops to be a foster parent as well. And while that is to some degree true, it's not as really bad as you'd think. Um, so so what, what are those hoops? Like, I, I assume that people are kind of checking in on you, mm -hmm. like background checks, that kind of thing. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. For sure. Um, so it is, uh, how foster care originated was they, it was called the orphan trains. You would, so let's talk, let's say New York would put a bunch of orphans on this train and they would go out to the Midwest and look for people of good repute. And that's it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that wow. was how that, wow, was how that worked. we've come a really long we've, way. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've come a little bit of a way. Oh, uh, that's so sad. <laughs> Do you treat your cattle right? How'd you like to have nine kids no. from Yonkers? <laughs> that's, a, that's about right, and that's a great way to get farm hands. Well, but, yeah. But yeah. not anymore. Child labor. That's, that that's awesome. Gosh. A, I hear there's a law against that now. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> thankfully. Thankfully. Um, but, yeah, so nowadays we do run criminal background checks, um, and we have a screening application on our website that we're working on updating um, that hopefully will be updated by the time this releases um, that asks some background about you and your family. Um, so kind of like who your parents are, what, have you maintained like a job for a little while, which isn't a big deal if you haven't, if you've jumped around because that's another culture thing. 
mm. a lot of a lot of millennials and younger folk jump around jobs. It's just can you can you talk about the why to that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, more so, and the reason we ask about family background is because we want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. Right. It is hard if your circus isn't all in line. Right. To add more to that, um, and we want our kids to be okay. Yeah. So the most important because they have they're coming in losing so many connections yeah. that if you're not, you've got, not got your house in order, then that's going to be hard for them and for you. And we don't want any placements to disrupt. Right. So even if your house isn't necessarily fully in order, if you've got like trauma as a kid or you're from a house of divorce, that's not an issue. It's just something we want to address and see if you're good yeah. or if you need to work through it. But other than that, I mean, we, we take into typical demographic and background checks and stuff like that. Um, if you have a pool, you got to tell us, yep. right? You got to have a fence around the pool. Yep. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. And so you send that application in and our licensing team reviews it, gets back to you and they'll say, Hey, you want to, if you're into this, let's get you into some classes. Yeah. Right. So we offer a couple different types of classes. One is abbreviated tips map. Um, it's an acronym. Trauma-informed parenting, something, something. Yeah. Something, something. It's a long one, a more alphabet C. You just know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fostering classes, right? Yeah. Um, so those are about 10 weeks long, um, and we offer about four to six of them a year. Mm-hmm. We also do um, for, we'll, we'll do it in backwards order, uh, what's called deciding together. So say you and your spouse can't make it at the same time, or you yourself can't make it at the same time because you work second or third, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be to uh, our predetermined time that we're having class. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do it at home. You oh. can do it at self-paced. We'll give you the paperwork and you'll go through the modules. You'll learn and you'll meet with us. Mm-hmm. We'll keep checking in with you. Say like, hey, you'll come to our office or we'll go to you. I, I believe it's both. Um, and we'll say, hey, like, what did you learn from this module and on your time? Because we want to meet, you're meeting our kids where they're at. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so that's on us to meet you where you're at. Yeah. Um, so sometimes. Um, kids when they were removed they get to be left with relatives because there was a safety concern otherwise but the, the relative themselves is fine that's called um you know kinship care we now do what's called uh caring for your own to help it is a specialized type of class to help kinship providers get licensed okay right um that way obviously kinship providers sometimes have different life circumstances right. and different stuff going on. Um, so this is specifically tailored to make sure that they cross the bar mm-hmm. that um, they, and they have a slightly different bar than regular foster parents because they're family. Yeah. Um, which I think is absolutely awesome. Um, and we've actually, uh, the state has, you know, made some additions to that. Mm-hmm. So they're really pushing forward to try and get kids with family. Mm-hmm. And that could be aunts, uncles, grandparents, even like a, Older sibling that's already yeah. over 18? Absolutely. 21, but yes. Okay. Um, absolutely. It can be anyone of that. And I want, I'm not going to commit to it, but I want to say that it can, um, some levels of fictive kin. I think it's out to fifth degree. Oh, wow. Um, wow. That we look for. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here in the South, we have some pretty big families. So. Yes, yeah, we do. In Gaston County Extended, na- yeah. extended <laughs> networks of family. <laughs> I've got some stories for off air, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, D'Andrea, who helps host some of our podcasts, we like to play a game of Six Degrees of D'Andrea Bradley. And I feel like she's related somehow to just about everybody in Gaston County. <laughs> I hear if you're here long enough, that, that typically happens. Yeah. <laughs> My wife and I actually went through the tips map class. Mm-hmm. We were thinking about becoming foster parents back when we were in Arizona. 
Um, and then actually finish the class. We're starting to do um, basically the household check where they come and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that, like, you don't have, like, prescription meds laying out or, you know, you don't have or like, a hole a, in the floor. Yeah. A collection yeah. of, like, machetes that you're going to let the kid play with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, then we found out we were pregnant with our daughter, and so we kind of put that on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting kind of going through that class because I think maybe people may think it's kind of intimidating. And it, it's work. Don't get me wrong. But it was eye-opening because of talking about, like, the trauma that kids come from um, and learning how to deal with that. And, you know, no two kids are going to be the same, but, like, all of them have that shared sense of trauma of regardless of what got them to that point, just being removed from their home is a major trauma in their life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Kids love their parents. Like, you could, for the most part, they could go through X, Y, Z, whatever. They're still going to love their parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is, so when, when you have a removal, you're not just removing from the parents, you're removing from their friends, from their grandparents, from their neighborhood, from their church, from potentially their school, all of these things. So they're not just losing that one connection. And that's, and that's an example in tip map, um, that you, you see kind of when this kid comes, what, what connections they are actually losing. Yeah. And you just snip these ropes to show like, nope, you may not be with your sister anymore nope, you don't get to go over to your aunts anymore. So it's just, it's the weight of it. And you're right, it is work, but I don't want anyone to think that it's like a college course you're taking by yeah. any, any means of ma- imagination. It's really learning about, like you said, these what these kids go through, who you are, and how you can make sure that you're being a good fit for them. Yeah. Right? So Because we want everyone to be on the same page. So I know maybe about a year, year and a half ago, there were less than 50 qualified foster families here in Gaston County. Yeah. And you guys have jumped that number up, right? Yeah, yeah. We've done a really good job. Um, shout out to our licensing team, who has done phenomenal. Um, at the end of last month, we were at 79. That's fantastic. Um, which is the highest it's been, to my knowledge, ever. Um, and we have, they have made great strides. Uh, they had an internal goal uh, for 70 by May. And so you got to take into account, they're not just adding, we're losing from attrition too. Sure. Cause yeah. like when people adopt, sometimes they close their license. Sometimes they're just like, Hey, you know, I'm, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. Um, but so with attrition, they, they hit that goal and they're, they're still shooting higher and higher. So they're doing an excellent job, but yeah, it's at 79 right now. Um, or at least as of the end of August. Um, and we're continuing to do a really good job. We've got, you know, we're pushing in different ways to find those, uh, foster parents. That they've, real fun when you talked about um a little bit off here but you were a foster parent as well uh, yes i uh so me and my wife are very personal yeah. for you absolutely we love it um my wife uh has been a foster parent for a long time um and it's deeply personal to her and that's you know ended up with our daughter um and she's she's a great example um because a lot of times another misconception is people a lot of times say to me is I just love them so much. I couldn't let them go. It would hurt too much to let them go. Yeah. Yeah, it would hurt. But that means you did a good job. Yeah. That mm. You did the right thing and the system worked the right way, mm-hmm. even if it didn't feel good. Yeah. My, my wife had like seven kids come in her home and out of her home to relatives or back to family, yeah. which is awesome. That is yeah. the system operating how it should. Did it feel good every time? Absolutely not. Um, but there's still, you know, kids we get to see. Yeah. Because she was good at building that rapport with those families, you know, being someone that they could trust. Mm-hmm. 
So you could still have that relationship after. Yeah, it goes back to what you just said about having a relationship with the parent mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it is hard, but it is so rewarding if you want to do it. What are some things, uh, I know Elizabeth talked at the beginning of, you know, what are some qualifications for people that, that want to do this, but what do you see as people that have maybe been some of the more successful foster care parents? What are some of the, you know, are there some commonalities between them that you see that's like, okay, if you've got this type of personality or if you, you know, if you kind of do these type of things, you might have a better success in this. I think, um, it's a good question because there's a lot of traits that can make a successful foster parent, but I think the biggest trait is adaptability, Mm. right? Because as you said earlier, every kid's going to be different. Yeah. Um, and every kid may not be for your home and that is okay. Um, so being adaptable to what that kid needs. Um, I was telling a family one time who, you know, a kid had to move and they were really broken up about it because the kid just wasn't a fit for their family at the time. And I expressed to them, you know, every kid, A, isn't for you, but also kid, every kid doesn't have a mountain to move, right? So every kid doesn't need to be adopted. Every kid doesn't need a whole major life change. Sometimes they just need someone who's there for this stretch of their journey. Right. Yeah. And that was them at the time. Right. They got the kids into T-ball. These kids played for, sports for the first time. They, they had those life events. Um, and that's, a, you know, another thing that people kind of get hung up on um, is they want to make these giant changes for these kids, which is admirable and awesome. And some kid, a lot of kids do, unfortunately, need that major, you know, person that's willing to step in for the, with them for life. But not every kid needs that. And to be able to be adaptable to give what that kid and what that family needs to put them in the best place to succeed. That's what makes our best foster parents. So when, let's say uh, you go through the licensing and you're ready to be a foster parent, Mm -hmm. what does that look like when you are getting a child placed with you? Oh, it can, in a perfect world or reality? (laughs) Let's let's start with perfect and then go with um, what actually happens. In in a very perfect, happy, lovely world, you'll get a call at 9 o'clock in the morning saying, hey, there's a kid that needs placement. When you get off work, you know, like, we'll we'll come out and you'll you'll meet this kid and we'll have all the grand information about him, um, his blood type, all of it. (laughs) Everything you need to know, you're going to have it by end of business today. Yeah. Reality, we work in a world of emergencies. Yeah. Um, we don't meet people on their best days. Uh, when we go out to families, they do not have a good time going for them right now. Right. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes when we have to act in an emergency, we don't have all the information either. Uh, so you may be getting a call at like 9, 10 o'clock at night saying, hey, um, we just had to remove this newborn from the hospital. Um, are you home? are you able, right? Hope you weren't Um, planning on sleeping much tonight. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes it's a sibling group of three. Like, hey, can you, can you take these? We'd ask. We're not, we're not going to say like, here you go. Right. No choice. No, we'll, we'll, it's certainly an ask. um, And are you willing? And with Gaston County, our work, our licensing workers get to know you. Yeah. Right. When you go through this class, the people doing your license are your teachers. Yep. Um, So they are going to meet with you, get to know you and, you're assigned a licensing worker. The kid has a social worker, but you're assigned a licensing worker to know you mm-hmm. and to be a support for you that you can reach out to. Um, to say like, hey, I need some additional training. Hey, like, I'm stressed out. Hey, what can I do? So, I mean, that's a, an additional thing that people don't know either is you get help. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know, you may get called in the social worker. It may have been a ju- that same day mm-hmm. um, that the kid came into custody hours before. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to take some, a little bit of time um, to get to know. Uh, maybe the kid, a good example is maybe the kid isn't good with a certain type of formula. And we, the information we have wasn't very forthcoming with that. And mm-hmm. so there may be, you know, some issues with that. Well, we'll figure it out. Because yep. we're required to get to the kid to a doctor within 72 hours. Okay. Um, to address, like, get them checked out. And then within another uh, month, and do, do a comprehensive check. Yeah. So as time progresses, we get to know more information. But when a kid's initially getting in your home, you may not know that. Yeah. If you're listening, you may hear some of those things and go, oh, I've got to get them into a doctor. I've got to do all this different stuff. The state steps in and helps with this stuff financially. So it's not like, oh, I've got to come to this and I, I have to be borderline wealthy to be able to. Oh, be oh gosh, no. no, 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 um, So every kid, every kid that comes into custody um, is assessed for um, if there's need met, right? And that determines what kind of federal or state funding. We won't get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but every kid that comes into, into foster care gets Medicaid, right? They, their medical stuff is taken care of. Um, you as a licensed foster parent and lovely law that was passed, kinship, unlicensed kinship placements too, unlicensed hmm. kinship placements also get part of the stipend. Um, so you are getting some assistance with that. If you're working full time and you can find it, cause that's an issue right now. Daycare is oh yeah, <laughs> lovely. Hopefully that's getting better. Um, but, uh, there's a childcare stipend as well mm-hmm. that, uh, we will help pay for, help cover all of, if not most of daycare. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot that's given to you as a support so that you're not just taking on a, it's not like a giant financial burden just hit your doorstep either. Right. There's, there, these kids are covered for the most part. So if you're interested in becoming a foster care parent or, or even if you're, you, you're just curious and you just want to learn more, where, where would you start? Well, um, you, would st- you could start one of two ways. Uh, you would go to our website um, and you would, there was an orientation video. Um, that kind of gives a level of insight to it. Um, but you can always also just call us, mm. right? Um, call and ask for the licensing supervisor or a licensing worker, and they'll be more than happy to talk to you and kind of answer any questions that you might have because you probably have a lot, and that's okay. Um, it's, a, it's a big decision, awesome decision, but it's a lot to ask about. One of the things we've been, uh, the communications office has been working with the folks over in, in foster care and DSS to um, put together a series of videos that you'll be seeing uh, on our website and on social media in the months ahead. Um, we talked to some foster care parents. We talked to um, an adult that had recently aged out of the foster care system just to, to get kind of those personal perspectives about what it's like um, either to be a foster care parent um, or what it's like to be a child in the foster care system. So. Our hope is just, you know, using those interviews um, and, and some snippets from those interviews just to kind of help uh, explain a little bit better um, what it's like and what the need is. Um, and, and hopefully um, that helps people to even get a better understanding of, of kind of what the situation is and what the need is. I think uh, you, you touched on a, a piece that I want to mention as well. Um, for when our kids age out of custody, um, they can voluntarily enter what's called the 18 to 21 program. So they can choose to sign a voluntary placement agreement to be continue to be in foster care. Hmm. Um, and these kids now get payments um, to help as long as they're do, meeting some certain things like going to either going in school or working. And we need placements for them as well. Um, 
people who would be willing to have an 18-year-old, a young adult, come, you know, stay and help them get stable. And the reason that law was put into place was because, I don't know about you guys, but when I was 18, I was not ready to have nobody. Right. Um, And for a long time, when when you turned 18, it was like, hey, See you later. It's good been luck. A good, it's, yeah, it's been a good time. It's so hard. Yeah. So thankfully, that has uh, a system that's put into place. And we also need people who are willing to be able to be a part of that program as well. Um, so that's a whole separate program? Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole whole separate thing um, that these kids get the awesome opportunity to enter into um, and get paid for their, essentially for their trauma um, that they had to deal with growing up. But I mean, you talk about finding a way to, to um, help them transition to being, you know, healthy, happy, productive members of mm-hmm. society. And I mean, that's those three years between 18 and 21, that's such a huge thing to oh, be able yeah. to um, potentially have uh, people that can come alongside them and, and maybe not necessarily grow into the role of parents, but almost like mentors. Exactly. Uh, one of the best quotes I heard recently, um, well, I guess it was last year, if you want to call that recent. Yeah. Um, is a lot of people um, believe that permanence is a place, but it's not. Permanence is a people, mm-hmm. right? So even if this a kid moves along, you're still there. You're still a connection for them. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if you're not housing this kid, it's an 18, 21, or, and you want to be a mentor, you want to give them some assistance of some sort, you can be a permanent part of their life, mm-hmm. someone to support them, and you don't, they don't need to be with you. Um, so, yeah, permanence being a people was uh, – definitely shifted the way that I looked at kind of how we operate and look at things. No, that's, and that's a great place to kind of end this on. That's, that's something I think is going to stick with me too. Uh, Seth Derner with the department of social services, our foster care and adoption unit. Thanks so much for, for coming in, for sharing some insight, for um, just kind of telling your story. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you both for having me. Thank you. Oh, oh, oh. Christmas is in the air in Gaston County. In addition to Christmastown USA firing things up on December 1st, every town around Gaston County has Christmas parades and holiday markets on tap. Check out the community calendar at gastongov.com to find your favorite. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. It's produced by the Gaston County Communications Office with hosts Janet Schaefer, D'Andrea Bradley, Elizabeth McGee, and Adam Gobb. Joshua Braswell serves as executive producer, and Gavin Stewart serves as field reporter and producer. Please like us and share reviews on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. On next week's episode, we are sitting down with Miss Terry Kinney. She is the CEO of the Gaston Low-Cost Spay-Neuter Clinic. They're offering some new services, and we're going to talk about it.